0: This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 343. Chrissa Marie Bowman on near life experiences. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Have you ever had that experience where you suddenly look around and realize life can never go back to the way that it was before? This is one of the big themes inside of my conversation this week on the program with Chrissa Marie Bowman as we talk about how the experience of coming from a story that I'll let you hear for yourself inside of this conversation, but the opportunity where a chance encounter with hypnosis dramatically changed everything in a short amount of time. And then, of course, from there, there was no question, there was no doubt why she then became fascinated to go off and learn as much as she could and to keep that journey moving onward, learning from different voices, learning from different approaches, and really helps to foster different communities online, helping other people to learn exactly how they can help others too. So listen carefully inside of this conversation because you're going to hear how sometimes we come into this profession with a goal to address something to, dare I say, fix something of our own, but then it opens up another opportunity to become that person who can help others. Also, you're going to hear a beautiful conversation, which I would caution you. Some of you may inappropriately check out when you hear metaphysical themes or even the topic of past life regression or even life between lives, but you're going to hear an application of just gorgeous, artfully vague communication where the client is then invited to access a place in which they can then create the change for themselves. As Karen Hand would say, we don't have to be the wizard in the hypnotic process. We can instead be that guide, that GPS, that brings the client to a place where they can make the change happen for themselves. So listen through this conversation for some enlightening stories about personal transformation. The definition of exactly what it means, not just near-death experience, but instead near-life experiences of how we can challenge ourselves to achieve incredible things, and how some of the greatest lessons of personal transformation can actually come from video games. So be sure to check out the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com. This is episode number 343. If you just go to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 343 easy to remember. That'll bring you to the resources where you can find the websites that she hosts, as well as the online communities that she runs, and just even see how to greet and say hello and move from there. I'd encourage you also to check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. This is the all-access pass to my hypnosis business training library, a program that Chris Marie references inside of this conversation. And plus, there's more than a 1,000 members worldwide where it's not just a library of what's working right now to build a thriving business. It's also a thriving community that's there to support you and help you to grow even stronger in the time ahead. You can check that out at hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. And by the way, be sure to look at the bottom of the page because there's a little thing that's floating there that gives you an opportunity to see even more inside of the program, even before you join. That's again at hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. And with that, let's jump directly into this phenomenal conversation. Here we go with episode number 343, Chrissa Marie Bowman on near life experiences.
1: Well, so I I went into psychology academically, um, and I'd also been a patient (laughs) for a couple of decades. And I had a specific thing that I was working through or trying to work through that just wasn't really um, getting better through traditional talk therapy. And I found a hypnotherapist who was able to not completely eliminate it, but get me to the point where I was functional and I was aware of what was going on. And I was able to then move through it much more rapidly. And I think it was like three sessions. Something yeah. that in 13 years of dealing with this one particular issue, which I'm I'm not afraid to say it was agoraphobia, I wasn't really making any headway. And then in three sessions, hypnosis sessions, I was out and about again.
0: Yeah. And what was the thought process? Just to kind of go into that for a moment, what was the thought process to reach out to a hypnotist on that?
1: You know, it was one of those things where um, this might sound a little esoteric and I do tend to sort of believe in these sorts of things, but... I was really at my wit's end, and I was like, "I am so ready for this to be over." There's something deeper going on. I, I'm not, I'm not able to get there, just through talk-based therapy. Um, I felt like talk therapy was sort of uh, working from the outside in, mm-hmm. and as soon as I sort of asked that question of myself, I started noticing advertisements <laughs> for hypnotherapy <laughs> just popping up randomly. And like suddenly my, my reticular activating system was mm-hmm. like noticing that. And I went, Oh, maybe that is um, a more effective way of doing this. Cause that seems like a, an inside out instead of an outside in, you know, yeah. way of changing. And and yeah, it was, it was absolutely um, everything that I had hoped for. And I was ready. I was so ready. And I was not a great client. I will have to <laughs> just state that up front. Awesome. I Well, I did not go into trance easily. I also had like a lot of my clients now, a very specific idea of what trance was that was based kind of on Looney Tunes. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. And so I had this idea that I was going to be completely out of it. I was going to be unconscious. I wasn't going to know what was going on. And so I felt like, well, and I really failed at that after the first session. But then I started noticing that I was getting better. Yeah. And so I went, huh, maybe I didn't fail at it. <laughs> so then well, I did let, another let's talk session. About,
0: let's, let's pause there for a second. Because yeah. you said, I started to notice I was getting better. We all would throw around the quotes, the definitions that we've heard, you know, the classic Dave Elman bypassing critical faculty of the conscious mind. And these are things that people often repeat by way of, you know, tradition what was that moment of that aha of going oh this is doing something
1: oh well for me because the issue i was dealing with was agoraphobia it was actually being able to like go somewhere without having a debilitating panic attack
0: yeah um
1: and i had to make sort of negotiations with myself you know it's like okay Mm -hmm. i'm just going to go out for 20 minutes i can do that yeah Yeah, i can do that i'm i'm only going to be like two miles away from home i can handle that and as long as I made these negotiations with myself, I was able to do it. But that was something I wasn't able to do prior to that hypnosis session. Yeah. And and at first I was like, was it the hypnosis session? My clients <laughs> okay. do this too. Was it? The, maybe it was just me. Maybe it was all me. And so I thought, well, I failed at the hypnosis session because I didn't go into a trance. So therefore it must've just been me. Like I mm-hmm. was ready. And here's the funny thing is that it was yes it was all of the above <laughs> it was yes i was ready yes it was all me but yes it was due to the hypnosis session
0: yeah so you were you're sharing the rest of the story of moving through multiple appointments uh what what can you three. recall of yeah. going three yeah what was it that you recall most of going through that experience let's say the so user the side. first
1: session there the, i have this I don't know if you want to call it my critical faculty or just my inner rebel. I have this like, I have this <laughs> very alive and active rebellious teenage girl that's like, you don't know me. Don't tell me yeah. what to do. <laughs> so when um when the hypnotist uh, Marvin Backer, you
0: are now same, wonderfully relaxed. The hell I am.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything he he tried to tell me, my my you know, my little sixteen year old rebellious self was saying, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So as he was trying to, I shouldn't say trying to, as he successfully induced me, but I did not realize there you <laughs> <successfully know. laughs> induced, I kept saying to myself, like, I'm not in a trance. This isn't working. This is stupid. This is bullshit. I really want this to work though. Please let it work. Please let it work. I was like making these like ongoing sort of negotiations with myself. Like just let yeah. it in, let it in. Even if, even if you're not doing what he wants you to do, just let it in, Krista. You have to get past this. You have a life to live. And yeah, so I left that session just feeling like, wow, I I suck at this. Mm-hmm. And and then the changes started happening. And he wasn't, you know, he's old school. So he wasn't one of those ones that was talking about the reticular activating system or make sure that you look for the change or anything like that. You know, it was just like, okay, you're done now and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I left just feeling really dejected. And I didn't know that I was supposed to be looking for the changes, but lo and behold, agoraphobia is one of those things that it's either on or it's off, right? Yeah. So I was able to see the changes and and I wasn't altogether sure if I should attribute it to the hypnosis or, or not, but they were happening. So I just was like, okay, well, you know, here's the only thing that's changed that's different. And now I'm experiencing what I wanted. And so whether or not I think that session helped, I'm gonna go back because yeah. I would like to continue um, getting better. And I was sort of looking at it like maybe it's a placebo effect and that's okay. You know, that's okay.
0: Well, I I tend to, we tend to bounce around this conversation. So let's kind of go to the end goal at the moment here. Let's say that here you are, you're now working with a client of yours and you can trace it back to some of the questions you had going through the experience, some of the gaps that could have been filled in that, for example, you know, I I teach in my pre-talk, you might feel a heaviness of relaxation. You might feel a light and floating sensation. You might just feel like you're sitting in a chair. Even the simplest thing, that it's okay to tell our client, if you ever have an itch, go ahead. It helps you to go deeper into this experience. Uh, are there things that you've now brought to your work to try to, let's say, inoculate against some of the you know, oh,
1: absolutely. possible pitfalls yeah. that
0: you found in that?
1: And I definitely um, ascribe more to the Ericksonian approach. I am... Um... You know, I don't say you are this, you are yes. that, which is what he did, which is yeah. what brought that inner rebel on um, line, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I don't do that at all. And I actually had a client just yesterday. It was funny you said, should say this because he, he was in a trance and he started talking about, you know, what he was visualizing. And then all of a sudden his eyes popped open and he goes, this isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's okay. You know, you can keep your eyes open if you want, uh, but, you know, you might just enjoy this relaxation. So go ahead and close them back down. It's OK. You know, you're safe. You're in good hands. But we've, I've done this a 100 times or more. And, and he's like, OK, OK, you know, but I don't think it's working. I was like, that's fine. And, you know, what, you don't have to go into a trance at all. And then I just continued to put him into a trance, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was—he was, he was uh, at the end of it. You know, uh, th- there was no doubt that he was in a trance by the time I—I, I, you know, brought him back out again. Because then he was just sort of shaking his head and looking at me and going, "Wow." i done been hypnotized. <laughs>
0: but
1: I said, yes you, yes, you have. Yes, you
0: have, sir. So then let's go back inside of the story then. Let's say that now you've got someone who's, uh, well, from, from your journey, you had this change as a result of the process that surprised mm-hmm. even you. What was that thought process to then go, this is something I want to learn. This is something I want to do.
1: Well, Three decades of psychotherapy, thirteen of them specifically focused on agoraphobia, were not getting me anywhere. To the degree that just one single hypnosis session did, mm-hmm. and and so I was like, wow, if it can do this for me with this issue that I've been working on for so long, I I want I want to be able to do this. And lo and behold, you know, I actually already had a degree in psychology, and and the reason why I did that was because I was trying to figure myself out. I was like, okay, well, I will just go into psychology and maybe then I can figure out what's going on with my brain and, you know, fix myself, quote unquote, not realizing that what I needed was just to heal, not fix, but that was it. It was just like, wow, this can do what in one to three sessions, maybe a little more for for some people, but like, you know, what essentially was probably 600 sessions of Mm -hmm. psychotherapy. So yeah, I, I wanted to be able to give that to people. So that was, that was my thought process was uh, why keep this to myself?
0: So then walk us through some of that journey. Where did you start to look? What did you start to do in terms of gathering this knowledge?
1: How far back do you want me to go? (laughs) Let's
0: see. We have another half an hour now. Okay.
1: Well, so I spent my, like the first eight and a half years of my life on two different new age sort of hippie communes. Mm-hmm. where there was just a whole lot of new agey stuff it was spiritual but you know non-religious the first one was uh the edgar casey uh, yeah. foundation in virginia beach and then the yep. second one was the united research light foundation in asheville north carolina
0: you know and i so by the time, from virginia beach originally
1: i did not know that yeah and I, only,
0: I only figured out that was there after i left the area
1: Oh wow. So this for me was the early seventies.
0: Here here was the ex girlfriend from high school that it was from their front yard. I'm like, what's that big place over there? And um, if I knew, I would have gone and hang out, hung out some. <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't have a lot of memories from it, but I remember my best friend and I remember we lived on this like little court that was near the area. It was sort of like a there were several bungalows, and everybody that lived in these little bungalows were all part of the community, but it wasn't a commune in the sense of like self. Sufficient, you know, sort of commune. It was just a group of people that decided that they all wanted to sort of live near each other because they all had this one single thing in common, yeah, but anyway, so then my mother and I moved off of the one in Asheville, and I cycled into public school. And that was that was a crazy change <laughs> after having lived on you know pretty like open new age hippie commune. So I hit my teenage years, the rebellious years, and I wanted nothing to do with new agey stuff, with alternative health. Our family practitioner up to that point had been a naturopath, and I was just like, nope, 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 hardcore science all the way. I want nothing to do with this like flaky, guru stuff. And then I had a near death experience when I was eighteen, and that changed everything. And that's why I also decided to later go into psychology. There were a few things that that led up to going into psychology as a degree, but that was one of them because none of the spiritual stuff that I'd been exposed to really resonated with the experience that I had in my near-death experience. So fast forward all the years later, trying to recover from agoraphobia, which came out of a really abusive marriage, my second marriage, and that's when it started. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, all these years of talk therapy aren't working. Maybe I need to revisit my roots. Maybe I need to like look at alternative therapies again. Maybe I need to sort of just go ahead and, and open my mind up again. doesn't have to be hardcore science, you know? Um, although many would say that psychology is a pseudoscience. So anyway, um, I I think it was that moment when as soon as I was just like, let's open, let's open back up and see what else is out there stop being so close-minded about this just because of your upbringing. That's when I started noticing all the different signs sort of leading me towards hypnosis. The first thing that I did after seeing the doctor that I saw, and he was actually a psychotherapist who was certified in hypnosis, um, but more the old school hypnosis, like you are getting sleepy, Mm -hmm. you are, you know, whatever, was rapid transformational therapy through uh, Marissa Peer. And that was really interesting. and i I paid a lot of money. And I got certified through it. Beautiful program, but a lot of holes still. I felt like,, this this works for many people, but not everyone. And then I discovered Mike Mandel, and I was like, "Ah, okay, so let's let's de- delve into this." And all of the missing components were filled in. And mm-hmm. so I became certified in that. And then I stumbled upon David Snyder and um, some nlp type things and, and my my education has just continued to just blossom from there i never stopped learning and there's no point at which i'm like oh i i know enough i'm done now um yeah, but i also that, don't that, that, know what i don't know so like when right. people say well what else are you looking for i'm like well i don't know but i'll let you know when i find it <laughs> you know <laughs> and then i found you
0: yeah well thank you tell me if you found this to be a factor though and this is something that i often talk about that. You know, as we're new to it, you know we we had a moment in one of the recent online trainings uh, for learning hypnosis where there's a segment at the beginning where I break down every technique that fits into the same cause and effect relationship of language. that as you follow that feeling, it brings you back to the first time you felt that way. At its core, yes, that's part of regression, but it's still a cause and effect relationship. And every technique mm-hmm. falls into that. And we had someone who said that in, uh, in the first half hour, you single-handedly ruined every other training I had been through, <laughs> but also enhanced every other, every other training, because he goes, I stopped putting every method up on a pedestal, that it yeah. wasn't that this is the one magic technique that fixes everything. I could look at the technique and go, oh, that's how it works. And now it gave him a greater license to then customize. And th- the reality becomes the deeper we get into our trainings, and he was able to go back and look at... All these advanced strategies he had put up on a pedestal and go oh now i can customize it better now i can Mm -hmm, even invent mm -hmm. my own techniques what i'm getting at is that the deeper into this we get we don't necessarily need every training to be revolutionary you know we'd like them to be but sometimes it just comes down to one way to make this transition a little bit smoother than you had before yeah one way to deal with this little hiccup in the process kind of like what you had brought up as to the guy going Um, I don't think this is working, yet clearly you're seeing every sign you want to see. (laughs) Is is there a story that comes to mind of just picking up what some in this audience could hear as just the tiniest of a nuance, but it paid off a huge difference in terms of the results you saw with your clients?
1: Yeah, but we're going to go back into a little bit more of an esoteric territory. You ready for that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So hypnosis, hypnotherapy is all about communicating directly with the subconscious or the unconscious, right? What really changed things for me was looking at it from the point of view, and this was partially due to Mike Mandel. but looking at it from the point of view that the client already has everything within them to heal themselves. And I'm just the facilitator helping them communicate with the part that has this knowledge that if I take me out of the equation, take my ego out of the equation, I, having the skills to facilitate, yes, that's that's key, right? But I'm not healing them. Yeah, I'm not doing anything other than being the, the facilitator, the conduit for this. So here's where it gets esoteric. I had um, a session probably about a year ago with a woman who slipped into a past life. And at first I was like, okay, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But this was real for her. And so therefore it's real. And I just went with it. And it actually had this amazingly transformative effect on her. And so I just kept my mind open, like, okay, I'm just going to set this over here and be like, maybe. And plus, you know, I had those early years, you know, growing up on the hippie communes, quote, unquote, (laughs) where people did believe in that. But I had like turned my back on all that for a while. Yeah. So I just like sort of set it over here and I was like, okay, well, there's that, that was an anomaly. We'll just, you know, keep it over there. Let's not try to analyze it too much. It worked for her and that's what matters. And, and then it happened again, and then again, and then again. And so I started intentionally calling forth my client's highest consciousness to help heal their subconscious. And that was the game changer for me, right there. Yeah. All I am doing is basically being the interpreter and the facilitator for this. And and the way that I looked at it, to sort of use a, um, a metaphor that I use with my clients frequently, is a video game. So your subconscious would be the terrain. Your subconscious would be what you think is life, but that's actually the the, the territory, right? <laughs> the map, and then you have the the character that's in the game, going through all of these hardships and all of these winnings and all of the you know whatever that 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 character is going through in that territory, and then you have the player. And I see the player as actually the soul. I used to think the player was the conscious mind, but now I think the player is the soul. And the highest consciousness is when you get those those upgrades, those downloads that are like, oh, now you get to level up to a whole new terrain. Oh, look, a different map. Oh, let's open up the treasure chest. And now you have these gifts that you can use you know, to, to make the experience better. And the more I started thinking about this metaphor, I was like, that really fits too, because when these clients of mine have gone into these um, past life and in-between life experiences, they're able to see themselves from a much sort of higher perspective, like an umbrella looking over the whole of their life, right? And then seeing that the other players are doing the same thing. So even players that they've had trauma with if you're able to talk to them from that sort of highest consciousness point of view, or even the player as opposed to the character point of view, like everybody takes off their their suits of armor that are part of the game and just like sits around the coffee table and says, hey, that was a really fun game. Yeah, it was. Hey, you did really good. Like, thanks so much for killing me. That was a great job. <laughs> <You know? laughs> metaphor, um, everybody. Yeah, metaphor. Yeah, metaphorically. You played your character really, really well, you know. But being able to look at it from that perspective was just incredibly healing. And so now when I have these, I don't do it with everybody. I sort of have to just intuitively feel out like who's ready for it. But I'll just say like, hey, as I'm doing the induction, um, I'll, I'll mention something along the lines of, you know, bringing in their highest consciousness to hold the GPS
0: mm-hmm.
1: while their subconscious is the map, is the is yeah. the actual terrain that we're exploring, Right.
0: What's beautiful about that is that it's artfully vague, it's ambiguous on purpose, and it's opening up that interpretation because I can imagine you've said this and it didn't go that direction. Right. You know, it still ended, it still moved somewhere important, somewhere meaningful. Uh, there's a story that comes to mind that <laughs> people would often press me in a training. It's like, well, what's your opinion on past life? Is it real? Is it not real? And I go, We can't prove any statement in either direction. So let's just stick with fascination for right now. It's not exactly. the kind of work that I tend to focus on, but here's a moment where I'm doing, and here come the air quotes, uh, here comes a session, this had to have been 2011 or 12, where I'm doing the quote standard regress to cause model. And suddenly by the answers I'm getting in the daytime or nighttime, all that stuff, she's not somewhere that was anytime recent, mm-hmm. to say it simply. And we find a suitable event to clean up go into that experience, let yourself receive whatever other wisdom or knowledge is necessary, bring that up into this moment, and now tell yourself. So I'm doing, you know, modern informing, basically. Into the session, it's worth pointing out, she is a chaplain for the Navy. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and her question was, did you bring me there or did I bring you there? Interesting. And I explained hmm. the same thing we would say in any training, that's like, well, you know, it's all about asking open-ended questions. Right. Uh, she had a similar sense of humor that I have, one that, that I know you and I share, to go, well, you know, my way, the way that I teach this is to say, you can either think of yourself as a good detective or just play dumb. <laughs> I never make any assumptions. It's never who's there and what are they doing to you? Oh, who's there? What's happening now? Right. And now what, what happens? What are you experiencing? All, what are
1: you feeling? Yeah, what, are you what are you hearing? It's all
0: yeah. open-ended questions. So I go, so based on your question, I think you brought me there rather than me bringing you there. And she just kind of sits back and she goes, well, that changes a few things now, doesn't it? (laughs) And wraps up politely and every bit of the issue was then resolved, which the beauty of this becomes the same way that you took this piece of advice, which has origins back to, you know, the phrase that some people in our profession would even take offense to, that you're born with all the resources you need. Uh, in order to make this change. And I've heard people actually get up and speak against that to say hmm. that, well, they weren't born knowing how to walk. It's like, well, yeah, but they were born with the ability to with learn. With the
1: resources, the ability to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The ability and, and the fact to... that they
1: didn't just fall down and go, well, that's it. Walking is not for me, clearly. Yeah. Let
0: <laughs> the other
1: babies walk, not <laughs> this for this fat you of know? walking is just going to
0: catch on. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> no, but that opportunity that you took that, I, I've, told a similar metaphor over time as to the game is if you go back to the podcast episode which was the keynote at hypno thoughts in 2017 it's the game of how long can i talk about super mario brothers without you realizing i'm talking about super mario brothers um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're testing new things we're trying new things and only once do i then drop the statement and that's when our hero of the story discovered a note that read i'm sorry the princess is in another castle some people start mm. to smirk. But this journey of <laughs> learning in terms of where we've gone and the reality is, and I want to hear your opinion on this as someone who does make use of, we'll put the category of regression, we'll leave it at that. How important is it to you what the event was versus how they utilize what the event meant to them?
1: I don't I don't see it as an either or, Jason. Yeah. I don't. I see it idea. as- What do you mean by that? Um, so I leave it open-ended like you do. And um, by doing that, some people absolutely need to to understand why, how, where, when. And other people, not so much. Um, Some people benefit from how, where, why, when. And other people, not so much. But even when I'm doing the regress to cause, which is, you know, not every session, I make sure that the only reason we're even touching upon that is so that we can go back and reframe it. Mm-hmm. But the the bulk of the session is to help them come away with the resources and the tools to integrate that into their present life and moving forward. So it's all well and great to be able to understand where something came from, why, you know, and figure out like, oh, yeah, I was three years old and this happened or whatever. But that doesn't necessarily change anything.
0: Yeah. I think right there is, you know, where where so much of the conflict and even controversy lies that You know it's not ever i heard someone one time say well you know if you ran over a pothole with your car going back in time and filling the pothole in isn't going to fix the alignment of the car to which i go let me use your same metaphor to now disagree with you (laughs) because we're going to leave the pothole exactly as it was because what we really need to change is the reaction to the pothole Mm -hmm. and that story of how you know because this happens now becomes another response
1: Right. And so the subconscious mind is like, it's there to protect us, right? It's there to keep us alive. It's not necessarily there to make us happy. So if it has this pothole memory, it's going to be like, okay, be aware of potholes. Potholes are everywhere. They could happen at any time. Be wary of potholes. And then I feel like our highest consciousness is the one saying, well, yeah, they are everywhere. So just be aware of them so you can resourcefully deal with them. And then acknowledge the fact that every pothole you've ever encountered, you've actually survived.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. You just said something that I don't want to skip over, which was that I don't use this technique with everybody. And that's enlightening having, you know, come from specific schools of thought that would say, do this with everybody. This is the most important style of work. How do you make that decision in terms of what to use and what not to use?
1: Oh, in the intake, I um, I use a lot of NLP to sort of feel people out and, you know, listening to their responses and sort of allowing my ears to prick up whenever there's, you know, something where it's a possibility they might have some sort of existential crisis (laughs) if we go into something like the highest consciousness. But they're open to the possibility of understanding the subconscious because we can at least explain that over, you know, several decades now of of research even though we can't point to it and say here's the subconscious mind but but we do it in fact know that it exists we just you know can't like point to it and say this is it um here's where it lives but we have evidence to support that it's there and so people can can do that not everybody's open to the possibility of extending that same margin of you know possibility to a higher consciousness yeah and so i just listen for that I just listen for that. And then when I do a regress to cause, and it doesn't even have to be to cause, quote unquote. Like it can just be kind of like what you were saying, like to any situation that brings up this same emotion, the same belief system, the same, you know, thing that's currently limiting you, that's currently causing um or wreaking havoc or, you know, whatever. And there might be like 50 different experiences in your life that we could explore that all would point to this. So it doesn't have to be the origin. Um, Except in certain cases, maybe phobias. Yeah, you know, but if somebody is a trauma victim, we don't have to go back into the deepest, darkest, most painful, traumatic part of their lives in order to initiate change within them. But that is a great place to bring their highest consciousness in and, and do it content free at that point.
0: You responded to uh, a little while ago online, and we'll talk about the the community you, you run online if you want to chat about that too here in a bit. Sure. But it was episode, I'm cheating, I have it in front of me, uh, episode number 333 <laughs> in the series where I just completely, you know, taught something I call success trigger, regress to success, a method of doing regression based off of a positive experience. And you kind of chimed in going, oh, yeah, I've been doing that too for a while, which yeah. I never once claimed it was original. In fact, I think I said in that episode... I got the idea from this from reading a Roy Hunter book, so it's a common idea, just that was my application. While we're on this topic of you know different uses of regression, how is it you, you, you would use that off of a positive experience?
1: Oh, I use that so frequently. In fact, I use it almost every session these days because yeah. I mean, during this crazy pandemic, a lot of people have sort of forgotten how to reconnect with their sense of joy. And we have it. We all have it. And so I'll use um, a regress to a happy, joyous occasion, a situation where they they felt connected, they felt bonded, they felt loved, they felt loving, that they felt proud of themselves, that they felt successful, whatever, whatever is needed, you know, in order to sort of initiate that change work. But to take them back to that, whether it was a week ago. 20 years ago or when they're just born. I've had people that go back to like just being born and coming into the world and feeling this sense of like, oh, yeah, okay, this is different, but there's a lot of love here. I don't have to be afraid. There's people here to care for me. I feel their love. And just letting them really reconnect with that sense and then say, look, you know, we're not having to teach you anything new. You're just reclaiming this ability. It's been there all along. Yeah, You're just reclaiming it.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Is there a specific thing you tend to prefer to work with the most these days?
1: You know, I've tried to do the niching. Yeah. I suck at it. <laughs> I was told early on you have to niche down. And so I was like, okay, well, I used to have an eating disorder and I've recovered, so I'll do that. And um I've had a lot of success with that with all different types of eating disorders. But, you know, other people would come to me with other issues and and I would get equally as um involved with that. and I, I think part of my success is that I actually, I am I bona fide ADHD, like absolutely. <laughs> and so I <laughs> hyper focus and obsessively focus on things that interest me. But there's never just one thing. It's like multiple things. And I'll go bam, 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 bam. And so like niching down to just one thing. So uh, these days, I seem to be mostly interested in helping people heal from hidden abuse, like narcissistic yeah. abuse. And not always it doesn't necessarily mean that there's somebody that's a bona fide narcissist with NPD, but you know has narcissistic tendencies that have been abusive and helping them understand why is that person that way and and how you can separate yourself from it and how you can heal from it and how you need to just basically give yourself back, like reclaim all the things that were taken from you in that relationship or in that situation. And then I still do a lot of work with eating disorders. I'm finding more and more that I am. I'm attracting a more spiritual crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are people that I don't advertise that I do past life regressions at all because I not everybody can. I mean, not everybody is either able or capable or I, I don't know how that works on the other side from, you know, this human existence, but there are some people that either they're just not ready or they don't believe, or it would just not be in their best interest, not be their in their highest good to explore past life. They're just not, you know, that's not good for them right now. And that's fine. Um, but I, I do seem to be getting a lot of people that are looking for past life regression.
0: Well While we're on this theme, what what's working best for you right now in terms of being found by clients and then having them actually work with you?
1: I was afraid you were going to ask me this question. <laughs> you know, if I were to try and advise somebody on how to become a successful hypnotist or hypnotherapist, you're probably the person I would refer them to. As far oh, as can. like the marketing part and the business side, because a lot of your stuff has come in super handy. But I also feel like for whatever reason, I've just sort of gotten lucky. like there's like i've 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 stumbled blindly into <laughs> what works in some ways, like locally as well as on a more global scale. And then word of mouth is huge. but um but what you've helped me with is just really defining things. like um, you know, recently uh, in your group, we we're talking about how I'm, I'm booked out by a couple of months. And you're like, well, maybe you should consider um, having your, your phone calls, have a deposit towards the session, a refundable deposit. And I was like, oh, huh. Well, why not? This is a good time to do, to try that out. You know, and, and I don't get a whole lot of people that, that want to waste my time that are just like, you know, looky lose, But I do get a few. You know, out of every week, I would say I probably have two or three and that's 20 to 30 minutes times those two or three that you know i could be spending with people who are are definitely ready and and at threshold and want to change and and want to do this
0: yeah i think that calls it which thank you for bringing that up i I tend to say that you know there's not one set answer for everybody it kind of depends on where you are in the shape of things and as much as you shared what you just shared there is a business model and i always go back to the classic steve martin quote that so much of it does just come around to become so good they can't ignore you. And <laughs> <laughs> along the way, though, if we have some tricks and strategies and things that just have been proven to work to get there even faster, you know, a combo of the two tends to be nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but by you know putting out your message by putting out what you do and you know you lean heavily on community. Do you want to chat a bit about the online community that you run?
1: I have two actually I have yeah. one that is hypnotherapy uncensored that is specifically for people in our field. and then I have another one that is eliminate self-limiting beliefs. nice. and that is for for pretty much anybody, but it's primarily populated by current and former clients as well as you know other change workers. And you know i I don't even look at it as marketing, Jason. Like nice. I have a genuine, sincere like, enjoyment of connecting with these people and, like, sharing, like, oh, oh, I bet they would love this. Like, let me share this thing, you know, and it's not for the purpose of, like, oh, maybe I can make some money if I do this, or let me figure out what is the best time of day to post this thing. Like, I I never look at that. Maybe I should. I don't know. But I'm also sort of just growing organically because I have to be honest with you. Things happened really quickly. Um, yeah. I, I went from you know, basically being like poverty level, raising four kids to suddenly having like all this money and being kind of afraid, (laughs) like, oh no, what do I do now with all this money? And I had to like work through some, some financial blocks that I had to receive it. Then I finally was like, okay, I'm receiving money. That's great. But then I still was like, it's scary to hold on to it. I better give it away quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Let me give some to my kids. Let me go donate to this person. Let me go help this person. And I'm honestly still sort of working through that, but I don't want to grow too big, too fast. And I feel like that's a possibility. I know that sounds a little arrogant and I don't mean it out of arrogance, but I feel like if I were really to like put my nose into it and focus on marketing in order to create something bigger, I would. Yeah. But I'm not quite ready yet psychologically for that.
0: There's just the beautiful thing about, you know, this is the right that we all have. We can build the kind of business that we want. We can work with the certain issues that we wish to work on. We can work the hours that we wish to work. We can make the decision to go, you know what? I'm going to block off these three days and just sit around and watch Netflix those days. Uh, We we have that right. We have that responsibility.
1: Everybody does.
0: Yeah. But (laughs) but to have that, um, we we do more than others, it turns out. Uh, But to have that ability to say, you know, let me kind of check in where I am. And it's why I, I do this consistently in my calendar. I'll block off a series of days. And just that's the moment to kind of go, okay, what's working right now? What's really working as opposed to what emotionally I think is working? Uh, and let's take a step back and go, you know what? I, you know, this is back to the niche. Your house sounds like mine. I heard the cat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the opportunity where um, I was going to say squirrel, but it was cat. No,
1: there was cat. a cat. <laughs> the,
0: the opportunity where, you know, we can make that decision. I took some of the tabs off of the website of mine because I went, you know what? I... I'm really good at working with this issue, but it's not what gets me excited these days.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's happening with me too, with some things like the, I'm not so much interested in weight loss anymore. People come to me with eating disorders. That's exciting because I I know I can help them, but people are coming to me because they just want to lose 10 pounds That last 10 pounds because they want to look good at the gym or whatever. I'm just not interested, you know? And there are plenty of other hypnotherapists, hypnotists that are totally willing to fill that niche so that's just not where my passion is
0: will you be able to share those links uh to the group to me by a messenger and we'll put those in the show notes here for this episode yeah absolutely yeah and while we're on that theme where can people best track you down how can they best get in contact with you
1: um google is probably the easiest way i have two different websites um, which i know sounds a little weird i'm struggling with whether or not i should keep both or condense them but I bought
0: 14 this week, so you're good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I have one that's more for the global community, and that goes by my name, which is chrissamariebowman.com. And chrissa spelled K R Y S S -S A. And then the other one, which is more for my local small community, I actually live in a pretty small community, chrysaliscounseling.us, spelled like chrysalis, the caterpillar turning into a butterfly chrysalis. So those are the two best ways to to find me, but on Facebook as well, as well as TikTok <laughs> and Instagram, where I am Chrissa K-R-Y-S-S-A, underscore L-Y-S.
0: Excellent. We'll put links to everything in the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com. It's been awesome having you on here. Thanks for joining me. And thanks for what you've been doing in those communities as well. And what you said is really the intention of so much of it. When we do things without the intention of drawing a straight monetary line from the action, from the content to someone then paying us, that's where some of that happens even faster to put that focus, that Absolutely. intention on educating oh and informing and fostering community. You know, people can smell hunger, people can smell fear. Um, but instead, when someone connects with the heart that someone has, and you've definitely demonstrated that wonderfully inside of the groups that you run. You. Uh, any Any final thoughts for the listeners out there?
1: Um, Just something that recently came to me I'd like to share, and that yeah. is um, the difference between striving for something that you want that's going to improve your life versus striving to avoid something that you don't want. This has been demonstrated to me many times throughout my life, but also recently it's like just really sort of like hitting me over the head like a small, cheap concrete block <laughs> with many of my clients where you know, they're lonely. So therefore they want a relationship, not because they feel like their heart is overflowing with love that they want to share with somebody, but because they're terrified of being alone or that they are tired of living in poverty. So they want wealth, but it's coming out of a place of lack coming out of a place of fear um, versus just saying, yes, I'm worthy of this. Yes. I I believe that I am capable of this, that I, I can have this and it's okay. You know, striving for what you want, which doesn't mean just sitting back and going, yes, I am manifesting this by doing absolutely nothing other than just pretending or believing. Like you have to put the effort in, right? Because the effort is what, like the action is what what follows to sort of prove to yourself like, yeah, okay, you're serious about this, let's do it. But coming from a place of, of lack or of fear versus going towards a place of enrichment and personal evolution. And even though sometimes the end result might look similar because maybe it's uh, that husband or that wife that you've always wanted, but the difference is that one is one that you actually sought for and you realized that you were ready and um, you had you know healthy outlook, healthy boundaries, et cetera. And the other one is somebody that you settled for, somebody that were like, please don't leave me, please. I just can't be alone anymore. And then you start sacrificing who you are in the process. So, anyway, there is something to be said for like the, the, the impetus, the motivation coming from a place of lack versus going towards a place of abundance or prosperity or
0: however you want to call it. Jason Lynette here once again, and thank you as always for leaving your reviews for this program online, sharing it in your ongoing conversations to help elevate this entire profession. And yes, indeed interacting with these really cool people we have on here as guests check out the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 343 that'll bring you over to this near life experience episode with chrissa marie bowman to check out the communities that she runs to reach out and say hello as well and while you're there too, check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com as we like to say guessing sucks Here's what's actually working to build a thriving business that creates impact in people's lives and simplifies the day-to-day running of what we do. You heard one of Chris and Marie's stories in terms of using it to streamline the running of her business and only now spend her time communicating with people who are primed for the exact service that she provides. So check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com look toward the bottom of the page because there's something floating there which gives you an opportunity to check it out and learn even before, even more before you dive into the program. We'll see you inside at hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.